everyone. This is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight for another episode that you waited a billion years for. There it is. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. We've been uh, uh, renovating some stuff and just relaxing and and all the while reflecting on today's topic. And so I wanted to finally record it. And tonight is about love perceived as a wasted time. So what I mean by that is that I often hear people in sessions say this remark whenever they talk about the past, uh, past relationship, past friendship even. They say things like, I can't believe I wasted all this time with this person. I wasted years. And that comes out of their mouth. And I wanted to understand why it makes me cringe when I hear that. I'm like, why does the word love and a waste of time being put in the same sentence make me cringe? And tonight we're going to explore that in a little more depth. But of course, in order for us to begin, we got to begin from our programmed beginning, our conditioned beginning. We are all programmed in some way by society and by societal expectations. So we're not exempt from that, especially in the Western world. We're heavily influenced by the media. The media plays a big role in how we see love. Of course, our family and how we're raised or our upbringing does contribute to beliefs about love for sure, for sure. But more importantly, when you think about us comparing the love that we got at home, right, we're going to compare it with something else. It would probably be something that we saw in a, in a form of fiction, uh, whether it's a, a read in a book or seen in a movie. We're going to compare love like that. And so we learn in movies about these significant gestures of love. And they're meant to be that way. They're meant to co convey that love is, is really based off of the actions showing people that you love them, right? And so in a lot of ways that programming is in us. We see the hero and the heroine and they're fighting for their love and they conquer love and they perform really large gestures. There's always a guy involved running in an airport and he's trying to catch a plane, right? This is always in every movie, darn it. And we don't know where he's going, but he's running to, it's part of the movie. He's running in the airport and there's music playing in the background. And it's always this way. And it seems like that's heavy duty programming in our psyche in the Western world about love being the ultimate sacrifice, really significant gestures here we're talking about, right? And so when we go back to our upbringing, we have this implanted in us. Then the courting pattern begins when we start dating, when we start interacting with other people. It doesn't even have to be dating. It just, it could be friendships as well. Yeah. Cause you're, you can love anybody. It, you can love anything. <laughs> it doesn't have to be in romance, but I often use romance because it is, well, um, more relevant to many, I guess. So we meet with the person that we're going to be with. We show them the best of ourselves and somewhere along the line, we 
meet a measurable goal, right? Because again, we've learned that love has gestures. It's a performer. That's what we're trained to think love is. And so there are measurable goals associated with love, right? We go to the first step and then the next step, and we even call it that, right? And sometimes the next step after that is marriage and, uh, and, uh, having children and all that. So we start trying to pin down love. We start to try to make sure that love has a, uh, uh an instruction, a, a measurable way to look at and, In a lot of ways, that's what our human psyche likes to do. It likes to make sure that things are measurable and that we can solidify them because if we are able to grasp them and solidify them, then they no longer become abstract and in some form they become real. So it would make sense that we do this with the abstract concept of love. We try to make it real. We try to hold down a a meaning of it, uh, uh, a way to describe it that's measurable. And we can say, oh yeah, that's love. When the guy brings flowers over to the girl, yeah, that's love. When when he proposes, oh, that's how he loves her. And in our attempt to solidify love, to measure it, to make sure that we know its definition and its construct, we, to some extent, dilute it. We even cheapen it. We do the same thing with the abstract concepts like God, We try to solidify what God is, what God isn't. We try to make rules about that. We try to hold it down, right? Make meaning and measure its content. But again, it dilutes it. And to some extent, it cheapens these amazing concepts. It gives them too much of a form. We need that. Again, when I know the the shape of something, I can uh, know how to grab it and, and use it, right? But when I don't know the shape of something, I don't know how to grab it. I it, It's formless in nature. So these abstract concepts became, become very difficult for us to control and to actually know with very little effort, right? Because I can, I want to be able to, know God with very little effort. I want to be able to know about love with very little effort. And those are just two abstract concepts that we try to know them quickly and not deeply. So they still remain superficial. They still remain material or three-dimensional. They don't actually go to the depth in which they could reside in, which in many ways for us as humans, it is formless. It may not have a form that we're aware of and that we have to use other skills, not not the senses we usually use, maybe other skills to feel out love, right? To understand it from a formless perspective. I hope that makes sense so far. So as we start to develop this relationship, we get married, Right? Uh, all of it may be based on these grand gestures we think love is. Now, when the person, of course, stops performing, they stop showing us their best, then at that point in my head, I start to look at them and I take them apart. I evaluate them and judge them. And also, their responses mean a lot about whether I'm lovable. So the whole thing becomes a nasty mess. Their responses determine whether I'm lovable. 
And so when they are paying attention to me, when they are, you know, making me dinner, buy me a great gift, they demonstrate to me that I am lovable. But when they don't, then I don't like myself. I don't think I'm worthy. And I start getting angry at them. So love here has no freedom. It's, um, how do I put it? Transactional. There is an element of ownership, uh, uh, holding onto and controlling outcomes here. And love becomes measurable. Now, we, we are so tied into this definition of love, this three-dimensional definition of love, this material world definition of love. And it seems to result in dissatisfaction because when we break up with someone, the feeling that we get is like, oh, and they, people say this effortlessly, by the way, they say, oh, well, you know, I wasted these years with them. And that statement implies the transactional nature of the love that I felt for that person. It practically screams it. But then something interesting happens after we break up with someone that can be a great clue for us on what love can be like, the potential it has energetically, how powerful it is. Because when we break up with someone, out of sight is not out of mind. We still feel attachment towards them. We still feel love to some extent towards the person. We feel something, intense emotions, whatever you want to call them. The idea is that what's that feeling about? If they stop performing according to this very measurable theory about love, if they stop performing, then I will not love them anymore. But that's not how it goes down, right? What happens is that the human being who separates from that person, whatever the, the whatever may have occurred, it doesn't matter, to be honest. I, uh, the person still feels a feeling of what we might call love, even if they don't want to admit it. And so that shows you the nature of love, the formless nature of it, that uncontrollable nature of love. Love cannot be controlled because if it was, then when I separate from that person, I can stop loving them. But that is not the case. And we end up getting angry at that. We end up um, feeling a sense of shame for still loving a person. We try to get ourselves angry at that person. We think that if we get angry enough at them and what they did, that I'll stop loving them. But of course, that does not work. And all the while, we don't accept and acknowledge that love is in fact large. It is larger than what we have made it to be. And that's its proper place. But if we spent years loving someone and we think it was a waste of time, then that's also indicating to me that it was transactional because we found no benefit in our feeling to love right? We produce love. Well, we produce the feelings, the hormones of love towards a person, towards an idea, towards the, even the idea of a person. We're producing that. But when we say that love was a waste of time, what we're really, really saying is that love 
is not useful to me if I don't get something back, if it's not reciprocated, if it's not uh, performing for me. If I don't get anything out of it, then it was a waste of damn time. <laughs> so that tells us that we, as a society, think that love is a 3D concept. It is a material world concept. We have not looked at it in the formless state that it actually is. We're too busy trying to give it a shape and a form. And we're not, we're not accepting its formless presence. And so I need us to look at our past. If you've ever said that statement, I need you to look and ask yourself, what are the benefits to loving someone? What are, what are they? My own benefits. Most of the time, the first thing a person says when I ask that question, usually they tell me, well, you get love back. But I'm like, there lies in the problem. If we think that, already it's uh loving for a, uh, an, a an outcome an expected outcome at which point eventually if you don't get that outcome you will not like the whole the whole experience will be in the garbage of loving someone and i don't want anybody to go through that because i want people to look back at their past and say yeah that was a great experience but in order for them to say that they have to find their own benefits to producing the love hormones, their own benefits to doing that. Why is it beneficial for me to love this person? Excluding, get this, this is the important part here, excluding whether this person reciprocates or not. And we're so used to like, well, don't, that's stupid. Don't love a person who's not reciprocating it. Well, try telling the human psyche that <laughs> it'll still do it even if they're not getting anything back. But I don't want them to feel ashamed anymore. I want them to understand that love in itself is a beautiful thing. And in its purity, in its formless state of purity, is energetically the highest thing we all want to achieve. The highest form of energy we all want to experience. And the more we do it, the better our life gets. The better we feel on the inside. So when we love someone, it feels good. But I need you to answer personally why does it feel good to you to love someone? Find your own reasons, not what society says your re the reasons should be, but what are your reasons to love another person? And when you do that, it's never a wasted time. Never. Because you've experienced love from you, from the inside out. And you felt its benefits. You understood and identified its benefits for you to love someone. You found use for it within you. That's not necessarily about physical reciprocation, right? You found the use to love another person. That's where we start healing the idea of love. You'll feel more satisfaction in loving someone and a lot less shame because you did it from the inside out. You didn't have to be breadcrumbed love through performances and actions. It's on the inside of you. It's a decision that you make. Even though we sometimes learn that, oh, I can't help who I fall in love with. That's not true. When you think about it, you absolutely can. You absolutely can. And I want you to be able to access this wonderful, high energetic level of love when you choose to. Because then if you want to love 
all the time. You can love all the time and it is possible for you when it is a choice. So if you've ever looked in your past and felt like any experience of love was a waste, (sighs) rethink that. Rethink that. Be honest with yourself about what that could mean about you and the way you love. And so I want you to get the benefits anytime you want of loving a person. However, when it becomes contingent on conditions that need to be met in order for me to experience love, then it's not love like we know love can be. It's not the highest form of love. It's a transactional form of love. That's not as satisfactory, not as fun. So let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it a lot deeper because love in its beauty is formless. And we need to feel that out from that place. We need to have and build specifically, build the skills to feel the formlessness of love and that it's okay. We don't want to pin it down. The beauty of love is that it's not pinned down and solidified ah, because all these false ideas only result in regret because the outcome is not controlled and it's not as expected. And so the resentment starts to build. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. We want to eliminate that cycle and just love because it feels good to love, darn it. It feels good to love another person. It's simple as that. (laughs) We want to complicate the shit out of it, but it's as simple as that. So your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to identify the benefits you feel from loving somebody. I need you to feel your own benefits. When you acknowledge that, they're consistent, they're there available to you anytime you want them. So they're not, again, contingent on people performing for you to start feeling that feeling. You can find benefit anywhere you're standing and anyone you're looking at. You can find benefit in loving them. This can be done with a friend, your children, your partner. You can start loving them from where you're standing without them doing anything at all. And beautifully, we eliminate and we need to eliminate the shame that comes with loving someone who's not performing. It's okay. We can still love them, but we can also have boundaries. We can still want a partner in a relationship. We want equality in a relationship. We may not be getting it with that person, but I could still have a space inside me to love them. I can still love you, but choose a different partner. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? You see the freedom? We don't need to stop loving a person in order for us to make a boundary. We can make a boundary out of love because love at its highest state wants people to be fair to one another, to be loving towards one another. And when you look at it through that lens, then you'll see how boundaries are really more about love than anything else. It's about setting us free, not taking anything away. Yeah, hopefully this was helpful to you guys. Uh, It's been on my mind for a little bit and um, it's been coming up in sessions. I always take that as a sign that it needs to be addressed for the collective. And so I hope I got this one in time for you guys if you need it. All right. (laughs) I love you guys. I'm sending you love and light and the experience of a formless love. This has been an episode of Drive Through.